Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to take your church from maintenance to mission. My name is Ron Huntley, and with me today in studio is Mike Tanner. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. And Rob McDowell. Hello, Ron. And Roxana Kreklow. Hello, Ron. So good to have you. Roxana is the head of Alpha for Prisons, a national director in Canada, and we're so excited to have you on the podcast today. I am excited to be here. This is going to be really fun. <laughs> We've known each other for a number of years through our time in Alpha ministry together. And I've always been intrigued, by, you know, because Alpha can be done in all kinds of contexts. And a lot of times we talk about it in the parish context, but you do it in prisons. Tell us a little bit about what that means and what that looks like. I always say that this is this the funnest part of doing Alpha most fun place to do it, which is funny to people because you're in prison. Uh, but it is such a joy. It's a little, it looks a little bit different. We don't often get to share food. Uh, we, we can, sometimes it's just a real blessing to have coffee. Uh, but we, we just have so much fun sharing life with people uh, in, inside the prison walls. Really, it's uh, what we found out over and over and over again, what we're reminded of is that we all have the same needs. We all have the same questions. Right. And and so coming together and and just pouring into people who have, you know, made some very wrong choices, gone some down some very, you know, not good roads, uh, but are recognizing that and are soon going to be released to a community near us. Uh, <laughs> so we we love being able to go and do life with them and bring bring some hope where there is a whole lot of hopelessness. Yeah. How did you first get connected with Alpha? Tell me that story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was actually approached with my husband uh, by someone at our church who said, hey, I really think you guys would be good at, at running Alpha in the local remand center, which uh, what remand means is maximum security in, in, in Canada. And so uh, we thought we were not in ministry at the time. This was about 10 years ago. This was your first and- exposure to Alpha? No, oh, my, okay. <laughs> my husband actually came. We had been attending the same church for a number of years, but my husband came to faith on Alpha years before that. Oh. So uh, Alpha was very precious to us. And our relationship with this man who was in, in, in ministry at our church um, was that he was table leader or group, small group discussion leader at my husband's table at his oh. Alpha years before. And so uh, and it was it was, you know, we, we knew him. We trusted him and, and loved him. But being invited into prison ministry was not something that was on our radar at all. So that came as a surprise. <laughs> and uh, and so we, because we loved him, we said, sure. And so we, we, we went in uh, with actually no training, surprisingly. There was a real shortage in, in, in chaplaincy here locally. And so there wasn't anyone to do training. So wow. they finally, uh, they just... We ran, they did our background checks, which are required, and we went in and started running Alpha. And my goodness, what a learning curve. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine. It's funny, the first time I did Alpha myself or, or was asked to run Alpha, it was the same thing. I had no training, and, and Alpha's come such a long way in training, yeah. and I suppose the prisons have too, because yeah. you, you don't just say anymore. Hey, I'd love to go do Alpha in a prison. So let me grab my computer and, and get on your Wi-Fi and uh, see if I can knock <laughs> right. on a few doors and see like, how, yeah. how do, how does that take place? 
Right. It it is entirely different. I think that, and, and you're right about the training. I think it's so so important. Uh, you know, God is the one who calls us, but then it's it's our job to be to to get equipped and really and really learn. About, it's like going on a missions trip. When we go to say Guatemala, for instance, we are going to it 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 behooves us that we we must learn about the culture. Right. What are some of the customs? What are the, the some of the do's and don'ts? Um, how do people uh, communicate? What is the language? Right. That we really need to know. And so that's that's what that's why training is really, really important. And so, um, no, you can't take your laptop in. There is no uh, there, there. There is a, a Wi-Fi network, but it's secured. And as volunteers, as, as people running Alpha, we are only allowed to bring in DVDs and those must be approved in advance. So you can't just walk up to the prison gate and say, I've got my DVDs that has to be all planned and pre-approved, just like. The clearance process. We have to make sure that, that background checks are done. Uh, the institution will take people through an orientation generally, just to eliminate any sort of liability, and and then uh, then people are finally allowed to go in and run a, a course or a program like Alpha. So generally, it is DVD. At least in Canada, that's the way it goes. I think we have about four or five places that now allow flash drives, and that is a huge thing. So, um, uh, but DVDs is, is the way that we, we run it, and there is, we, unfortunately, most places won't uh, accommodate the food, the sharing of food. Some will, but uh, nonetheless, it's uh, it's a really really fun fun thing to do with people. What are you seeing in terms, like, what's the what's the landscape look like in Canada in terms of the number of prisoners, the amount of prisons, and maybe even the amount of uh, churches, the amount of prisons running Alpha. What, what, what does give give our yeah. listeners a, a yeah. sense of, of what the landscape is here in Canada? We have 181 institutions across the country. Uh, that includes federal, uh, provincial, and youth detention centers. The difference between a federal and a provincial center is simply that uh, if a person is sentenced to two years or less, they serve their time in a provincial center, which is operated by the provincial government. And if they are sentenced to two years or longer, they serve their, their time in a federal center uh, center and institution, and that is operated by the federal government. Youth detention is uh, something that is overseen by the provincial government and, and like um, the Ministry of Children and Family Development is what, what we would call it here. So. Um, Overall, I, I think the number is right around 165,000 offenders in Canada. That includes people who are incarcerated currently, as well as those who are out on parole on community supervision of some sort. Um, the federal system houses about 39,000, just under 40,000 offenders right now. So um, when compared to other places like the United States, we have quite a lot less. We don't have as many inmates. Um, per capita or, or just... Because clearly, number-wise, we wouldn't just because of population, but per capita, is it that right. way, too? Uh, yeah, even per capita. We're okay. a little bit lower, yes. So hundred, about 165,000 offenders, though. Uh, I think that's the better number to look at because when we when we look at prison ministry or, or, or running alpha in the prison context, included in that are, are those provincial, federal, and youth detention centers, but also community places of work community supervision is done. So halfway houses, uh, community correctional centers, uh, community-based residential facilities, all of those places that mm. house what what uh, what the government deems as offenders or inmates. Roxanne, I'd like, I'd, I'd like to know kind of, um, kind of a compare and contrast, like what your typical alpha experience would be like in a local church versus your typical alpha experience uh, in, in a prison setting. 
What's the same and what's different? Uh, well, the same. Uh, the content is the same. Yes. What we are presenting is the same. Uh, generally, we, we in some places we will do the sessions live, but most places, I would say probably nine out of ten, will run videos. Um, and and in the adult centers, we run the the adult film series, of course, and the youth centers. They they really really enjoy the youth <laughs> film series, and so uh, that is that's. Those are the, that's the content that we use. But what's different is that um, in, in prisons, it's, it's kind of frowned upon to have small groups. They don't like people separating off into smaller groups. So they like, they like it when the entire group stays together. Granted, a, a full alpha in a federal prison might be just 20 people. Sanctuary space is very limited. So these, these programs take place in the sanctuary, and that's very small. So really, because of just base concerns, they limit, you know, the signups to about 20 people. Some places will allow for more, depending on, on you know, facilities. But uh, 20 people is sort of the, the maximum. So you have a small group of about 15 to 20 participants. Mm-hmm. So just knowing how to manage that, how do you do discussion with that many people? And um, and then, of course, uh, things like prayer ministry is different. We, we, we really have to be very careful. Uh, this, and this is part of the training that we offer. We can't uh, go ahead and uh, put our hands on people or, mm. or even um, we have to be very careful how we approach prayer. With the, 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 as Ron mentioned, the word landscape, and it's really kind of changed lately in our prison. So the issue of, of, of um, you know, things like identity and, and gender and, and that sort of thing, we are, we are seeing a lot more people coming on Alpha in prisons who, have, uh, who are maybe transgender. Uh, and so we have to learn. Again, it goes back to learning our our, our culture, learning the language, who is and who who is our audience. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we really have to. We're we're on a on a regular on an alpha in a church. Um, really, we try not to be the answer people, and we don't want to give too many. We want to facilitate discussion. It's really the same in prison, but but actually, there are times when we do have to provide an answer. Like when someone asks a very, very black and white question about identity, I think it's good to, to pause and and answer that question with, with, of course, what does Jesus say on the issue? Um, but, but people are very, very raw and very real discussion. I mean, they get right to the point. Uh, they don't really, <laughs> they, the attitude is very much take it or leave it. You don't have to like me. I'm kind of used to people not liking me. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's different in that way. So how did you go from, I think it's amazing. What's the fellow's name who invited you into ministry? This particular His name ministry? is Jerry. First name is Jerry. Jerry. So, so thank you, Jerry. I hope you're listening. Uh, but I think it's yeah. so cool because you didn't feel a call to that. You had an affinity to Jerry. Right. And he saw it in you and called it out of you. I think that's such an important principle in leadership is to be able to see the best in others and see things that yeah. they probably don't see themselves and ask them to give it a try. So at what point did you give this a try as a ministry? Because this isn't just a ministry for you anymore. You're a staff member of Alpha Canada. And so at what point did you and John look at each other and go, holy cow, this is for us? Tell me about yeah. that. Well, I think it was probably about week three or four. Oh, this is very first session. Of the first Alpha that we ran together. And and I mean, our story is really kind of funny because we were invited into this into this 
Remand Center, and we had no idea who was housed there. Uh, we we really it was a men's center. There there was a, a women's unit as well, and we but we started. We were asked to, to facilitate it in the men's on, on a men's unit. Well, right around that time, there was quite a, a big gang war going on here locally, and so we had lots of lots of lives were being taken, and, and people were being housed all arrested, the ones arrested with re, with respect to these crimes, they were they were housed at the center. So we ended up on this gang unit and 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 dealing with a particular gang, right? And 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 here are these big gangster guys um, who have I mean they've been you know it's like it's like you probably they probably have a room in a gym somewhere. They they train so much, uh, just big mounds of muscle and tattoos everywhere. And uh, they come in and and you know, we, we really felt like we were not like, what do we have to offer here? This is just, how can I speak into these lives? But as the, as the videos were rolling and, and especially when, when the issue of unforgiveness, when, when we talk about why Jesus died comes up uh, and, and repentance and offense, right? Uh, that these guys that were just big and burly and would come in with their arms crossed and sit at the very back, literally put their chairs up against the wall uh, with their arms crossed, would begin to uncross, would begin to kind of, you know, slouch a little bit and really lean in to the teaching. And and at, at one point, I, I just remember sitting there, it was, it was, I think week four or five was two uh, kind of in a, in a, we weren't in, in small groups, but they had kind of come up to the front. And so, I was sitting on a chair. They sat down in, in chairs in front of me, and they said to me, this one guy looked like he was probably five times my size, and he says to me, I really, if Jesus is real, and all of what this thing is all about actually is true, I want in. What do I do? Because he said, I don't have hope outside of this. It's either this or I'm going to die. It's either prison or I'm going to end up getting killed. So, and, and I mean, when someone looks you in the eye and says that to you, you realize, oh my goodness, it, the, the need, the great need for Jesus to come in at that moment, because I had nothing to say to him, <laughs> right? And so we prayed together. Um, it was really this beautiful, it's like we're being invited into a conversation that this man had already been having with the Holy Spirit. I had heard that, I heard that someone said that in a, in a talk that I heard recently, but the conversation had been going on and here he was inviting me into it. And I had the privilege of praying with him as the father was drawing him unto himself. And I can tell you, this was, uh, this is now, we're, we're looking at about eight years ago now, and this man is out of prison now. He was sentenced to a federal a federal sentence. He is out of prison. His father and his brother have given their lives to Jesus, and he is fully restored, a contributing member of society. He is not dead. He is fully alive. He is attending a local church and is involved with it, and his long-term dream is to be able to speak into uh, teenagers' lives who are in youth detention who are going down the same path that he went on. So I was just going to say, you know, one of the things that I think would be interesting about that is how many of these uh, individuals, when they come out of the program, so when they've, once they've come out of prison or come out of an institution, how many of them, or, or I guess, are there any stories you have, you know, similar to that one, 
who've then decided, well, that, you know, alpha is what I want to do outside of my experience. Like how many are then bringing that to their existing community and how do you see that impacting? And you're referring to participants? Right, participants, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, many of them, uh, I would say the majority, it's hard to, to figure out numbers. Generally, an alpha is 15 to 20 people, as I said, and it's always... It's always more than more than 12 or 13 out of the 15 or 20 that say, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. Um, where do I find this after what's next? Yeah. Right. Because alpha ends. That's the yeah, only alpha, downside. Right. Oh, that's the downside. <laughs> that is the one downside of alpha is it ends. So what do I do and where do I go to find this out in the community. Mm-hmm. And so that, I mean, that was the question that we, we started asking probably halfway through the first alpha that we, we ran as facilitators, my wow. husband and I, mm-hmm. how do we do this? How, how do we, how do we, cause we can't take every single person mm-hmm. by hand and walk them to church once they've been released. Um, so, but, and, and there's so much more to that. There has to be relationship built. People just don't walk out of prison and go knock on the door of a church and say, Hey, I need help. Here's my story. I need a mentor. And, and I want to tell you all the things that have happened. I mean, that just does not happen all on its own very rarely. And so uh, what we have, it's been in our hearts since the very beginning. It was, I think God's heart for a long, long, long longer than that, uh, <laughs> but to, to, to really uh, create or, a way for them to engage on the outside once they've been released. And so that's uh, why why my husband is doing what he's doing now. He's involved in an organization. He's leading an organization called Harvest Prison Ministries. Their purpose is to take people that have come to faith on Alpha and have said, yes, I want this on the outside. How do I do it? Mm. To introduce them and, and engage them in relationship with a, a local church or a local parish in the community that they will be released to and and form that relationship. Right. Mm. Uh, all the, before even doing that, though, to really train and equip the church to understand what is it that is involved in caring for people once they've been released from prison. Mm. So um, because that DNA, that alpha DNA that that we, uh, you know, that we we see that it catches on and people just love being part. I think the secret sauce is community. I think it's sharing life. Yeah. It's not it's the we're, we're doing it on alpha. But the actual thing that we're doing is community. We're doing life together. We're, we're fellowshipping with people. And that's what Jesus, that Jesus is at the center of that. So that's really the secret. You're not sauce. telling me Jesus makes a difference. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Isn't it crazy? <laughs> it's yeah. true. This is all true. It's the. It's, it's really, not just it good news. True. It's the best news ever. That's right. That is so yeah. cool. So tell me a little bit more about the the ministry that that your husband John is involved with. Like, what? How many steps are would be involved in like let's say St. Benedict Parish or a listener is is listening to this and they're thinking, okay, well, our parish does Alpha and we never thought about you know engaging with this post care. And so yeah. yeah, if Alpha's happening in the local prison, what does post care look like? If I wanted to connect with John and and say, okay, well, how do we become one of those safe places to land yeah. uh, so yeah. that we get sustainable uh, fruitfulness in people's lives? What's involved? Yeah, so. Harvest will essentially uh, take uh, take you on a three phase sort of process, okay. right? There are three phases involved, and and the idea is that that this aftercare ministry would be something that that senior leaders would 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 uh, 
you know, buy into kind of thing and just say, yeah, we really do want to do this. And we really want to, to do it really well, just like on alpha, we want to run alpha really, really well, do it with excellence. And I think that really should be the narrative for all the ministries that we run. And so the, the first phase is just to be, um, be educated a little bit on the correctional system in Canada. Um, what does it look like? What are who are the players? What are what are the words? What is the language? Um, what is involved from arrest all the way to release? What does a person go through? Um, what are some of the challenges that one might experience as they're going through that process from from arrest to release? That's the first phase. The second phase just deals with a building relationship. How do we build relationship with someone in prison? How do we, as a as a as a parish or as a church, get into a prison and actually find these people who are looking for mentorship and relationship? Um, and and what is the chaplain's role in this? The idea for you know Harvest seeks to to serve chaplains and local churches. So. The, the one of the most um, the things that, that actually Father James said is it, when he spoke to John about this, he said, you know, thank you for helping the church be the church because mm-hmm. they don't you don't go in just to serve the person that you're going to enter into relationship with. But actually you're serving the chaplain. You're serving the institution as well. Mm-hmm. The chaplains are constantly looking for a resource, constantly looking for for places to help people reintegrate to. They don't want to see them as much as they love them. They don't want to see them come back. Right. They want to see them reintegrated, especially when someone has come to faith in Jesus. There should be a way. And so that's what that second phase is about, is how do we build relationship? And then what also, what are some of the uh, do's and don'ts? How do we safeguard the church? Because there are very real concerns. Um, people who are uh, in prison have are there for particular reasons. So how do we make sure that that everyone in the church is is safeguarded and and also that we are aware of how to best serve the individual that we're going to serve? Right. So what I'm hearing you say, like if I'm a, a parishioner who's really excited about what I'm hearing right now and think, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. What I'm hearing you say is, uh Appreciate your zeal and enthusiasm, but your the leadership of your church has to want this with you. Yeah. So talk to the leadership of your church, see if that's what you guys feel called to do and are willing to do. It's not something yeah. you can just as a as as a, a passionate Christian just go and say, This is what I'm going to do, because you're saying what I'm hearing you say is no, actually your entire church has to be on board with this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we have to recognize that we're part of a bigger team. Mm. We have to be part of a team because we can get really excited and we will run out of steam very, very quickly because the need is so great. It's impossible for us to sustain or to 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 really kind of fill that gap on our own. That's why we need one another. I mean, the, each individual that is that comes out of prison comes out with their own set of circumstances that is just unique mm. to them. So true. Uh, the, the trauma that has happened, uh, you know, most I have not met one person in all of these years that was not first a victim of crime before they became a perpetrator of crime. Mm-hmm. That was not first a victim of some kind of abuse or has experienced some kind of brokenness in their life. We need to have understanding of that. Of course, none of these things are excuses for criminal behavior, but we need to understand that and and recognize that one person can't possibly minister to all of those needs. We need one another. And in fact, we need, you know, other community resources that are out there. We need to 
to to link arms with with what is what is happening in our communities and and do this thing really really well that's the only way that people are actually going to end up walking in freedom and be woven into the fabric of our of our churches we we talk you know a lot about how you know a a priest can't do it alone in a parish that he needs these leadership teams and he needs these communities and i i see that as such a parallel in terms mm. of like the amount of like i can't imagine how much it drains you energy wise. I mean, it, it fills you up as well, obviously, but, but drains yeah. you energy wise if you were trying to do this on your own. So that idea of, look, we need all hands on deck. We need really everybody into this in order for us to make this happen. And, and so how do you, uh, you know, how does someone who's involved in this program, you know, how, how do you maintain that energy is, I guess, would, would be the, the question. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that, the team will also feel that, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the being able to come together. I mean, on Alpha, we 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 talk about the importance of having a prayer team, uh, having people praying for you as you are running your Alpha, whether it's in the church or in the prison. And and I, I think that uh, being 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 part of the team is really really important. Also, just understanding our own uh, desperate need for Jesus in and of ourselves, we need to be uh, not just preparing for alpha or preparing for an event or an activity, but actually preparing our lives and, and, and being uh, people of prayer ourselves. Uh, That's one thing I learned very early on is that solitude is so, so important. And that's where I get the fuel. That's where it all comes from. That's where the passion comes from. Right. So being real close to Jesus, but, but, and continuing to stay abreast of what's going on. Right. What are what is the temperature in the local prison? What is going on with our government, wherever we might be, whether it's local or provincial or even on the national level? Um, And and the way to, you know, you said, what? how can you keep the energy going? I mean, there is nothing like seeing uh, nothing as exciting as, as seeing a team really function as a team. Isn't that true? I mean, you've got go into an, into an alpha and you see people praying for people, people, you know, maybe leading from the front and then also supporting from the back. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And what happens as a result of that, people come to know Jesus. So it's not a, a result of my own efforts and my being so wonderful or, or, or smart or, or prepared. No, it's, it's part of what Jesus has done in, in me. And then also through us as a team. Does that make sense? Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. I think, you know, we, we talk to a lot about leadership and sort of thinking of it in terms of like, well, I have to be upfront. You know, we, we talk sometimes in parishes about, well, that's the person who does all the things in our parish. And you sort of Mm -hmm. say, well, okay, but if we were all doing this, can you imagine how much we'd be able to accomplish when we have people praying for us, when we have people praying with us, when we have people, you know, both, both leading the direction and also being willing to follow that direction. Yeah. yeah and okay. I think Mike, when you say all of us would clearly wouldn't be all of the people in church doing one ministry. No, no, no. Right. But it would be enough, enough. Uh, uh, enough people to have a sustainable ministry that's fruitful because people are called to different things, mm-hmm. aren't they? And uh, different forms of spirituality. And, and what I love about the local church is it has room for a lot of that, but are we on mission? Right. You know, are we on, is there a, 
are we a missional church? And if so, this seems like Roxana, just such an amazing way to put that into action. I, I know for us at St. Benedict, uh, I'll never forget uh, Flavia Saldana coming to me and saying, Ron, you know, and I know you've met her and Jivan. Uh, I, I, I think God's calling us to, to take Alpha to the prison. And yeah. uh, wow, that's really cool. Have, have you worked in prisons before? No. Oh, okay. Uh, do you know anybody in prison? No. Uh, okay. Uh, and she's just so, I don't know, non-intimidating, doesn't have muscles and tattoos. And, like, and really, like, this must be God. And it wasn't something that we as a church said, we have to do this. And that can be a great rally cry. But it was her in her own personal prayer time with her husband that discerned this. It was God himself that was putting, yeah. giving them a heart for prison ministry. And they've been in prison ministry ever since and have learned so much. But, you know, maybe we have listeners listening today that are thinking, oh, my gosh, that's exactly what I want to do. What's your advice to them? If you feel like this is really tugging on the strings of your heart, um, really the first, the first place to go to is Jesus. I mean, talk to him. I, I just, that's where I go. Uh, that's where I, I take everything to. And, and then from there, um, you know, seek out the leadership team uh, at your church and just say, this is just what's on my heart. What do you think? And be open to a process. I think sometimes when we get so excited about something, we kind of want it to happen today. We want it yesterday sometimes <laughs> because, wow, there are people in prison and they need to hear about Jesus right now. I, I want to just encourage you that that God's timing is the best timing. Amen. I've had to learn that. I I've had to deal with. I mean, it, it, just patience. Uh, you know, Jesus is a gentleman. We've heard this being said before. He will open the door. There's absolutely no need for us to kick it down. Right. Um, and or or push it open. Right. He will open that door when it comes, and and he will speak to the to the to the team. And it'd be funny. Most of the time, what will happen is, um, if if you've if you've really considered this in prayer, someone uh, that you approach on the leadership team will say, "Oh, we were just thinking about this," yeah, or or something like that. And or they'll ask you, "Well, what do you think?" And so it, it, there's a process. Give it some time. Give it a number of weeks and months and maybe a year to kind of develop and grow. And then, of course, seek out the proper training. I think that, uh, no, we don't have to have uh, theological degrees to go and run an alpha in a prison or to or to begin, you know, uh, to, to plant the seeds of something like what Harvest would do. But we do need to be equipped as best as we can. Mm. So, um, you know, that's when when you can connect with us and we can help in that sense, what to, just to teach, to run a, through a, some, some of the things that just really need to know before, before you step in there. Uh, some of the things that we honestly learned the hard way that really just right. are not necessary. Let us know, help you. For others to go through. One of the things that you said, Roxana, that, and I know there'll be all kinds of priests and pastors listening to this and, and go, oh my goodness, thank goodness you said that. Somebody finally said that because people do, they get so passionate, so sold out and we get it all the time. People that read the Divine Renovation book or, or Unlocking Your Parish and they're like, yes, this is it. And they just pound their priest or their pastor yeah. with this and, and, and it can almost be a judgmental thing, like shame on you for not wanting this because they're yeah. so passionate. But what I'm hearing you saying is, no, pray yeah. and, and engage in conversation and dialogue. Because if this is going to be something that you guys do as a parish, you need to do it together. You can't beat people into submission. And I know a lot of leaders have felt that from very zealous people with goodwill and good intent. 
and it can be exhausting and it can be disheartening for leaders. And so what I'm hearing you say is be respectful, you know, uh, take your passion, take your zeal, take your ideas and take them to prayer and then start having strategic conversations and be prepared to listen. Yes, and we always absolutely. say that with divine renovation, like, please don't take that book and beat your pastor with it. Like, don't, yeah. we don't give you permission to do that. Don't take the yeah. alpha program yeah. and beat your pastor with it. We don't give right. you that permission. You have to work with the leaders of your church in communion. Yeah, absolutely. It's so important just to always recognize that ministry is a team effort. Mm. And in fact, when we function well as a team, that actually in and of its on its own is the gospel Amen. to people. Amen. Um, and so, no, we don't want to. I, I think one of the things that I, I always have to check myself is, do I love the person in front of me? Hmm. Do I love the person that I'm about to serve with or, or hope that will, you know, the person that will, that is in leadership that I hope to have their blessing. Do I really love them and have Jesus heart for them first because I think sometimes we skip over each other to get over to the prisoner and to the marginalized. And I, I love the marginalized. I love it. It's where I come to life. I, I, it's a beautiful place to be. It's on the margins. But but I, we have to love one another in the process. And it's a beautiful thing because it shapes us. This isn't, I mean, this is, and when we get there, when we get there, we realize, oh, we thought we were going to take Jesus to people on the margins in prisons. And we got here. And he was already here. <laughs> and in he fact, made us do it. <laughs> we came to prison and encountered Jesus. It's like he's that, got a plan or something, right? Like it's, it's almost yeah, like he. It's right? almost like he can't knows make this what stuff he's up. Doing, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful process over and over. Being humbled and just seeing God do the amazing work. Holy Spirit having conversations with people and then this ongoing for me anyways, uh, you know, humbling process of, wow, God is so big. Roxana, yeah. what are some, what are, what are like, I don't know, three or four, please don't do this. <laughs> like you've learned the hardware, right. you've seen other people with great zeal. One of them, I guess, would be to, you know, to beat your pastor over the head with this to try to win his approval without loving him first. So that's, that's one, but what are some other things that if people are interested in getting into the prisons that they probably, they're common mistakes, but that you'd advise that you'd encourage people to avoid those pitfalls. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Well, just like we don't want to beat our, our, our ministers over the head with anything. We don't want to beat down doors at the prison. We don't want to ever go into a, a, a chaplain, a, try to approach a chaplain or someone who is in charge of programs at a particular institution and and have any sort of demanding attitude uh, that we we want to run this program and, and we want to do something here. And you, it's your job to just let us do it. Um, and I, I think sometimes we do that unknowingly, we don't realize that that's the attitude that comes across because we're so passionate because we know, (laughs) we know we need to do this. Uh, But it comes across in a way that is not loving and that is not serving, right? We want to, we want to, um, again, approach it, uh, approach our leadership first before we even go to the prison, right? There's a process involved. um, uh, And and we want to receive blessing from those who know us really, really well. We want to make sure they're going to be praying for us. So so don't just go knocking on the door of the prison and saying, hey, I, I want to do this. I think just like 
uh, when when I went to when I went to Fiji on a missions trip, we went and did some prison work there. Well, I had to learn what was the difference between here and there. And so, you know, uh, that that is a really good place to start. Let's learn about the correctional system mm. a little bit. How mm. does it work? Mm. Um, who are the players? Where do we who do we ask for permission and how what's the best way to do that? Um, and of course, once once that happens and let's just say someone's listening and they are already some somehow involved in a prison ministry yeah. and they have access to prison and they're going in perhaps to fill in for a chapel service or, or whatever. Um, I think the one of the, the biggest don't that that well the one that comes to mind is is for us to try to uh, to never try to change people to never try to change their behaviors or speak to uh you know even even things like um uh, their own identity or what they ought to do or not do um how does faith actually how is it going to get worked out in their own particular life i think that is one thing that um is really kind of it's a fragile topic, but it's in your face all the time when you're in prison. People will say, well, what about being gay? What about being transgender? What about all these things? And I think because we want to help, we try to come up with the answer. Mm. Right? But I think the best thing to do, the best approach is to say to people, you know, all are welcome. All are welcome. In fact, please come. You know, that's what Jesus said. And, and anything that I give is just my opinion. And that's useless. So let's just look to Jesus. He said, all are welcome. Whatever happens as a result of, of someone's relationship with Jesus uh, through the Holy Spirit is between them and Christ. We are we are there to serve, to love and to, um, you know, and, and to just kind of usher people into that place where they're safe right, where they can be with Jesus and, and to give hope. So, yeah, to, to give a whole lot of instruction is not good uh, as if what you need to do and what not to do. I've heard the expression before, uh, Jesus catches his fish, then he cleans them. And, you know, I know Jesus has been very patient in my life, in my own sinfulness, and he loved me before I had certain things in order even when yeah. I didn't deserve it, even when I wasn't worthy. And so how can we yeah. demand behavior from people who don't yeah. know Jesus, like if we can just love them and bring them to Christ. I wonder if the power of the yeah. Holy Spirit and an encounter with the just radical love and generosity of Jesus can't transform a heart that yeah. begins to unfold over a lifetime that has a completely mm-hmm. different trajectory. Yeah. Roxana, I'd be uh, curious to know if you could just kind of speak into um, the rate that people reoffend. Uh, kind of in Canada and how uh, Alpha or even your husband's ministry influences and affects that positively or negatively? Yeah. The rate of reoffense currently uh, across the country is at about 67%. Of course, that changes uh, one or two percent every year. And, and, it, and in fact, regionally, that can change as well. So for example, here locally in British Columbia, we have uh, a center that that the, the rate for reoffense from that particular center is at 87%. Ouch. Depending on, depending on um, sometimes it, it happens within three or four kilometers of point of release or two to three hours from release. And that just boils down to who is picking people up, who, mm. who is meeting them at the right. gate. Um, 
So that, I mean, and, and so in, actually I heard from, uh, from someone who um, is a chaplain at a youth detention center in Manitoba. Um, the rate of reoffense there is over 90%. Um, so it just it just depends on where we are, uh, where we're looking, and and what these numbers are, are very interesting. But nonetheless, uh, it's it's horrifying to think that that is actually you know sixty seven percent nationally is what is where we're at, and um, when. <clears throat> When someone enters into a relationship with a local church, like through Harvest Prison Ministries, uh, a local church that is building relationship with them before they are released, and and all of the things that that uh, we put in place are in place, that rate of reoffense actually gets flipped. Where we have the rate of reoffense is now thirteen percent. For looking at at here, thirteen percent versus eighty seven percent, and even international numbers point to that. That when someone actually enters into a mentoring relationship where Jesus is at the center of that relationship, when someone has come to faith in Jesus Christ uh, and then enters into a community of, of believers and of faith, they they uh, most often, we're talking about 90 plus percentile, don't end up back in prison. And those who do end up making a wrong choice of them, half of those come back. Wow. So, um, so where yeah. do you get those stats? Like, is it, where where does that come from? Yeah, so we've we've run a number of, of of pilot projects across Canada. So the stats come from they are Canadian numbers, but they are also numbers that come out of just research internationally. Um, actually, the Correctional Service of Canada is starting to they they have a huge research and development. Uh, Part of, of, of what they do, and, and it's a very well-funded part of their uh, of their organization. And uh, they, just recently, they have even said that yes, people they're recognizing and actually funding things like uh, like faith community reintegration initiatives, and saying yeah, we actually see that when people are released into a faith community, is what the the, the term is, um, they they end up being much more successful and. We want to we want to invest in that. We want to we want to see that grow. And so there's a pilot project currently running uh, that that is is funding some faith based reintegration across Canada, actually. So um, we're praying for that. We're praying that the numbers from that will, will will kind of you know point to what we know is true, that when someone enters into a relationship with Jesus and then becomes part of a local church, uh, not part of a program, uh, not part of you know a system, but part of truly the family of God. We know that that leads to the transformation of society. You know, Roxana, as I listen to you and, and as we share, I think to myself, you're not just doing a service to to the local, you know, the prisoners or, or, or the, the chaplain. I think you're doing a service to our entire country. Because if we can bring forgiveness to those who are broken and lost and, and just caught up in bad decisions and patterns of life, if we can help break that with the gospel and by loving people, we're going to make this country a better place. And so thank you for all you and John are doing to to make people better, to be faithful to what God's called you to. And I, I'm so thankful to the fellow who called you into ministry. Yes. And I just really encourage all the yes. leaders in the world to look for the Roxana and John's in your church and bring yeah. out the best in them and call them to be everything they can be for Christ. Because there's no life yeah. like it, is there? No, absolutely not. There's no life like it. Absolutely if people not. have been inspired by this podcast and think to themselves, I want to learn more. I want to connect with Roxana or John in terms of the ministries they have. How, how would they do that? So you can reach me uh, at alphacanada.org. There is a contact tab there. Uh, my email is my first, the letter of my first, first, letter of my name and, and last name. So rcreclo at 
alphacanada.org. Harvest Prison Ministries, plural.org is the website for, for John's organization. And we would just love to serve in whatever way that we can. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we are, we are available. That is why we are here. And so the, the, the bigger picture of all of this is that, you know, ultimately this will lead to the transformation of society. I really believe that we both do. And I know that you do too, Ron, um, that, you know, there are families, there are so many people incarcerated. Yes, but they all have families Amen. and many of them have children uh, who attend school, perhaps with your children. I know my daughter was uh, had had someone in her a little girl in her class whose father was in prison. And so it is uh, it. it us going into prison and doing that really, really well, and then welcoming people home, the impact of that will last for generations, for generations. And we, we can't uh, forget about that. Jesus' thoughts are a lot higher than ours. So please do connect with us. Mm-hmm. And any time for any kind of questions, we would love to help. Or if we can't, if we don't find the answer for you, we'll point you in the right direction. Mm, thank you for your ministry. As we wind up, I just feel, I just feel called to pray for you. Can we do that? Oh, I would love that. Wonderful. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, I thank you for Roxana. I thank you for her yes, her and John, their willingness to be led by you to go to places that weren't on their agenda, that weren't even on their radar, Lord. You gave them a heart for the ministry that, that you had for them. And I pray that they will, you'll continue to bless their marriage, to bless their work, Lord, I pray for the prisoners who, like that man that Roxana shared with us, have two choices, death or you. Lord, there is a sense of urgency in this generation to bring the good news. So, Lord, equip us. Help us to be on mission with Roxana. Help us as churches wrestle with, with what it looks like to welcome the prisoner home. Lord, thank you for this time today, and I just pray in a special way for anyone listening who's starting to feel this call on their heart that that they would take that to prayer. They would discern it with people who love them and care about them, provide them with support and in the form of wisdom and encouragement. I pray that we would reach all of the prisons in Canada and, and around the world. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Roxana. God bless you. And thank you to all you listening today. Um, I hope this podcast has been a blessing to you. I hope it inspires you to mission to be great. If you haven't downloaded our app yet, go to your app store and look under divine renovation and download that app. You'll be able to listen to the podcast, see the different conferences going on and so much more. Thank you for listening. God bless. God bless.